Hey everybody, it's time for the AltaCast. Uh, my CD has a skip in it now because we listen to this song so often here on the AltaCast. The Japanese Bjork playing for all y'all. Hooray! Uh, it's time for the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'm going to be joined shortly by LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. Truthing her sheriffness all the time. What a lovely human being she is. And today we're going to talk about news and stuff, like we always do. Um, oof. I. It's so funny because I'm usually, those who listen to this show, you would know that I am usually hungover on Wednesdays. Uh, <laughs> and that is, uh, that is a problem. It's not a problem. I mean, come on. It's fine. But uh, I finally realized why alcohol is a depressant. It's not a depressant at the time. It's a depressant the day after. Hence, last week's show. Apologies all around for me being in a bad mood. Today, I, I feel a lot better. I'm uh, drinking some marijuana-infused coffee. I know they have that on the market, but I make it myself, so uh, sometimes I feel like a genius. Not usually, but sometimes. Uh, hey, it's the AltaCast. I'm going to start today by reading a little article that uh, Scotto of Flat Black Plastic hooked me up with. He gets Playboy magazine because he is old school as fuck. And uh, this is... Uh, we're starting today. The Shape of Comedy to Come. A loose cohort of Brooklyn comedians is dreaming up a sensibility, both eccentric and engaged, that might help us all make it to the future. Uh, if you look at the Pamtastics, uh, you know, comedy will save us all. It's absolutely true. Isn't it nice that they're... That that Playboy is looking at these comics. I God, I wish someone would pay attention to me. Here we go. Uh, it's Playboy. We get it for the articles, <laughs> right? Is that what? That's what they always said. But uh, they they do they do have some great articles. Uh, I read. Uh, Scotto keeps sending me articles. Hey, it, you should listen to Flat Black Plastic every Saturday from noon to two it's great stuff uh but this is an article he gave me julio torres is describing a joke in progress i saw the marilyn monroe over the subway great picture says the 31 year old stand-up comedian and saturday night live writer i haven't stopped thinking about the subway great looking back at the scene going oh we don't do that anymore it's a different time torres has built a career on a delicate balance of wistfulness, randomness, and social commentary. You've probably chortled at a few Torres-penned SNL sketches, including Melania Moments featuring a pensive first lady or Wells for Boys about a Fisher-Price toy for sensitive little guys. He's not alone. A loosely defined and refreshingly diverse community of comics led by Torres, Ana Fabrega, Lorelai Ramirez, Ike, Chukwu, Ike Ufamodu, and Patty Harrison is rising from the still fertile soil of Brooklyn. Spanning stand-up, sketch, and performance art, their work takes on immigration, trans rights, queerness, and more, all with an off-kilter humanity. It's not only it's not only intelligent, fresh, and brimming with potential, it's also just fucking hilarious. 
The group came together over the past few years at comedy nights around town. And though they can riff effortlessly on topics like finding love at the Westminster Dog Show, I saw Sparks Ramirez said about a black Russian terrier in a standout sketch, they acknowledge that the culture has heated up considerably over the past two years or so. Harrison, a trans artist, recognizes that we are not in a cultural climate where identity is not at the, we're not in a cultural climate where identity is not at the forefront ooh double negatives motherfucker and torres who considers much of the crew's early work as apolitical says that when the societal energy shifted after the 2016 election so did the group's mindset sometimes our very presence even though we're not doing anything political is inherently political he says me existing in itself is some sort of statement join us as we get to know these exciting and deeply weird young brooklynites all right if they're already on snl it's not like they need help you know for their promotional stuff but it's cool i just i'm so petty and jealous of everybody i just ugh julio with his platinum blonde locks and ever bemused expression, Julio Torres met Playboy at a vegan spot, fitting given one of his set openers. I am vegan and I am so sorry. He pauses for laughs. People ask me if I miss meat or dairy. I mean, I miss being liked. It's this salty yet sincere tone that makes Torres actually very easy to like. In one of his first appearances on The Tonight Show starting Jim, starring Jilly Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, he gave a Halloween he gave Halloween costume ideas such as raccoon foolishly wearing all the diamonds he stole. Original, that's, remember them. Originally from El Salvador and already accomplishing his dream of writing comedy in New York, it's his third year at SNL, Torres is also being sought for his take on issues like immigration. Sometimes you have to be explicit, he says. It's, he's also touring with his splendid live show my favorite shapes in which he showcases miniature swans squares and other beloved objects on a small conveyor belt and assists his favorite color is clear asked about the source of such abstractions torres just laughs my entry point to something isn't most people's entry point to something up next an hbo pilot with fred armanson and anna fabrega that follows a group of horror artist makeups around mexico city shot 80 percent in spanish and 20 percent in english the show like the rest of torres work is shaping up to be quietly charmingly subversive as a child i always dreamed of writing for snl that didn't happen anna in a recent gig in williamsburg anna fabrega left read from her journal and did impressions in rapid succession blink and you'd miss the girlfriends out to lunch hearing the specials she does it again over coffee smiling and nodding in a way that says "Ooh, that sounds great doesn't it after years after years of feeling like her writing structure wasn't right for comedy fabrega saw torres and ramirez perform something clicked oh she thought i can just do the thing i want to do since then she has written for the chris get Hart show and developed her skill for hysterically dry character bits military brat regional theater actress someone who spins rotisserie chicken at boston market in one of in her online sketch meet me at the met with fred armonson's fabrega matches his deadpan tone as they try to find each other outside the crowded museum i look like i'm recalling a fond memory she tells him over the phone 
To her, there's an element so human about wanting to express yourself and not being able to. I felt that too. As Fabrega takes her inventive voice to a number of new projects, she tells us, the people I find most inspired by right now are the people I'm around. Lorelai. Taurus recalls the first time he saw Lorelai Ramirez perform. She asked the crowd questions, and when they answered, she would roll her eyes and open her mouth and go, ah. It was so disturbing and funny and beautiful, he says. I like fucking with people, Ramirez explains. I like playing with expectations, especially in joke formats. The Miami natives' pitch black humor, which often deals with mortality, family, and the dark side of emotion. Her site is pileoftears.com. This diffuses her work. You can't tell if she's playing herself or a woman who wandered out of an extra sinister Black Mirror episode. In her video trilogy, Milkshake, she plays a housewife who becomes progressively more unhinged as she attempts to prepare the titular treat. I don't just... I don't have to just share a story about my life to make you laugh, she says. We can laugh at how insane our minds get. So, are audiences gravitating towards escapism in comedy? After the Trump stuff, people were like, who's doing absurdist stuff? I just want to escape. We've literally been doing this forever. Ike. Ike Ufamandu didn't watch late night talk shows till 2011. And they perplexed the NYU Tisch School of the Arts graduate. I was struck by how odd it was that Letterman has to wear suits every night and sit at a desk, he says. What's the psyche of a person who wants to entertain people but needs to wear a suit and at a desk to do it? It's a loaded question in a landscape where we turn to a handful of hosts for cultural insight and laughs in one straining package. With his live late show, Ike at Night, which has run at New York's legendary public theater, Ufamando is looking more and more like the next generation of TV host. His work is so slow, so dry, and so demanding of your attention, you can't help but laugh, usually long after you've stopped expecting to do so. I think I have a performing persona, he says. It's this old school entertainment type. This summer, he's headed to the Kennedy Center for the District of Columbia, District of Comedy Festival while continuing to develop his own late night schemes. His urge to deconstruct the TV personality combined with his matter of fact, painfully sincere humor might just be the take we need. And lastly, Patty. With only three years of New York life under her belt, Patty Harrison has already landed roles on Search Party and Broad City and been asked to comment on trans military rights for Jimmy Fallon. She's graced a number of sketches in collaboration with Seriously TV, such as Conversation Therapy, in which she features trans and queer guests and then converts them back to cis majesty. What's most interesting to her is writing something that subverts expectations case in point in slurp her short film with Catherine cohen two women sit eating what appears to be ice cream until white goo is running down their chins and staining their tops you know what i'm in the mood for cohen asks ice cream harrison's work is proving to be unlike anything else in the comic landscape I'd love to have a TV show that's about worms and farts and boogers and jizz and all that stupid ass shit she says, but adds, there's power in her status as rising trans artist. I realize we're in, 
we're in a really irregular cultural state in our country and it would it would be an active choice to omit it she says harrison isn't backing down from speaking her mind anytime soon continuing her live show it's a guy thing in brooklyn and providing much needed inspiration for other underrepresented voices i don't want to make things that are boring she says i don't want to speak with someone else's tone anymore i want to do things that are unabashedly me well there you go everybody that's there it is hey oh wow cool i have um weed coffee too which is exciting yeah yeah uh so i just read i just read a, another depressing article from playboy about comedians in their early 30s doing great in brooklyn oh they're doing so great and they're getting more press isn't that awesome but you know and the other thing is uh, trans artists hey that's great i just i'm sorry i'm a white lady i'm sorry if that's boring for everybody um at least i'm a lady right at least i'm a lady if i was a white man i could really complain right uh, but i am a i am an old lady uh uh, yeah, I turned 44 pretty soon. Uh, so, I got free alcohol last night. Um, and so I am hung over. Yeah, I only had five IPAs <laughs> for the whole night uh, that I didn't have to pay for, which was nice. I uh, didn't, and I, unfortunately, I didn't drink any water. And I also didn't... Uh, eat anything so that's uh, yeah I blacked out for sure uh, I don't remember singing my second karaoke song but I know the host and I texted her this morning and I was like did I sing a second song and she said yeah you sang ironic in the style of James Hetfield you did great and I was like ah good I did it how are you doing I am I am I am I am suddenly feeling very nauseous this is yeah yeah, I'm going to have to drink some water. Uh, you're on. Oh, it's not happening, though. I don't know what's going on. Keep, keep talking. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't know why it's... Sure. Hey everybody. I'm wondering why you're so why your microphone's so quiet today. It's No, it's just I think someone switched the microphones. I think that I think that you're actually on a different mic. Uh Okay, so right? Well, that's 3. That's that's fine. It's just it's it, it it's that's that's number 3. I I'll, I'll put them back again at the end. I don't I don't know what happens here, everybody. Everything falls apart. The entropy here is just extreme. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Just five, and it and it was from five p.m. until I think the last beer I probably had was at ten. So five, I, one an hour. But I I didn't eat, and I don't remember. I guess I walked home. I don't remember walking home. I know. All the way from North Beach, too. Jesus. I know. Well, I guess I called Jonathan at 12.06. There's a message. And I sound pretty lucid. So I'm like, all right. I was really concerned, though, because I was, I was, I was exceedingly inebriated last night. And I 
was hanging out with a bunch of people and I was afraid that I might have said or done something exceedingly inappropriate, but I didn't. So I'm, I, I had to text, I had to send out some, some texts today and figure out what I did. Yeah, well, did I, yeah, well, did I, as long as I didn't fuck you, it should be fine. But I was, I was so afraid that I said, there's a, there's a comedian in the community. I have kind of a, I mean, I have a little crush on him. Not that he's, nothing would ever happen because I think he's partially autistic, but he's young. Yeah, he's real young. Uh, he's 29, but, uh, he's a doll and, uh, yeah, I got a little crush on him. And so I was so afraid because I, I signed him up uh, last night because we were at the, this first thing and I was like, oh, he was going out to dinner with some friends or something. And I was like, oh, I'll sign you up at the next one. So I did. And I remember him walking in and I remember being like, oh, you made it. And then like, I don't remember anything after that. I don't remember anything. And so I was super afraid that I like just did something awful and inappropriate and terrible. And I didn't. So yippity, yippity me. I only had five. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, when I black out, when I, when I black out, I black, I mean, I guess I was away. I mean, obviously I was, I sang a second karaoke song. I talked to people. I, I mean, I walked home at 12.06. So. Oh, I was, no, I, I was probably still drunk. I actually took a beer out of the fridge and I brought it with me just in case. Cause it might be easy. Yeah. It might be easier to do that. than um, yeah so yay I know it's the devil I, you know and it's such a bummer because I think I had a relatively good karaoke I mean I had a lot of fun at karaoke but you know I, I, if I don't remember it did it really happen <laughs> I don't know um, speaking of did it really happen what, what happened this what happened this week uh, let's see my life is boring oh is it is still I'm still not getting you. I don't know what's going on. Um, now we're not getting you at all. Yeah, I'm not getting anything on you. Yeah, I should switch. Okay, there it is. Oh wait, it's see, I, I hear now you're now you're on. That was four, not three. Okay, okay, now I hear. Okay, everybody's now mixing the everyone it. mixed the mics around. This so is it's why I, I see you put you send those emails that I can't. Yeah, that no one reads. Reason. I can like never respond to it. I, it's so weird. Yeah, nobody it's, nobody reads them. I yeah. mean, but when we're done here today, I'll put all the microphones back correctly. The shit back organized the yeah, way it should be. I just I, I don't understand why people why adults don't know how to put things away because they weren't raised correctly. I guess so. <laughs> um I will say um let's see. Uh Indonesian I'll, earthquake death toll rises like the Indonesians are people, yeah. aren't already fucked. Now we've got <laughs> There was this uh primaries last night. That was cool. Oh. Uh my uh, home state of misery did something right for the first time in a long time. Well, they yeah. uh, they appealed the right to work uh which we have here in California, which is basically the right to work um I might be, need to be corrected by this, but basically it's like, you know, uh, you don't have to join unions and pay union dues and what have you, which oh. you want a union anyway. Yeah. Unions are great. Yeah. Don't not. I mean, so, so you have an option a, to not be in the union. Yeah. 
I why mean, would you want to not be protected? Well, that's the thing. That's why they call it the right to work. They pretty it up that way, which, I, like I said, we have that here in California. So it's another way to dismantle or dismantle uh, unions or what have you. So it's, that's that's horrible. Unions yeah. are unions are great. They're. I wish I mean, we had one in the service industry. Yeah, there should be. There, yeah, well, but in San Francisco, there's that whole um, you. There's a tax so that service industry people can have. Um, Oh, health like, insurance. Oh, you, yeah. You're talking about the SF uh, Healthy San Francisco. Well, it's yeah. not called that anymore, but... But yeah. they, there's a special tax because I see it on all my receipts and I'm like, oh, it's the and restaurant people, tax. people get pissed off about it, too. They're like, what is this SF tax? Because servers don't aren't real people. Because we don't want to, like... I don't know. We get cut and shit at work. We need stitches. Speaking of um, not real people... Uh, California wildfires inmates are risking their lives working alongside firefighters for $2 a day. We That's crazy, right? Yeah, that I, we mentioned that before during the last wildfire last year. This one's really bad. Yeah, California firefighters work to contain the largest wildfire in state history, and they find themselves working their 24-hour shifts alongside a group of unlikely partners, 3,400 inmates from the California Departments of Correction and Rehabilitation. The groups work in unison, but while salaried California firefighters earn an agile annual mean wage of $74,000 a year plus benefits, inmates earn just $2 a day with an additional dollar per hour when fighting an active fire. Wow. Inmates without histories of arson, sexual crimes, kidnapping, gang affiliation, escape attempts, or facing a life sentence are allowed to volunteer for the firefighting program and are trained for two weeks in fire safety and field conditions before taking a physical exam. Once the exam is passed, prisoners are sent to live in one of 43 low-security field camps throughout the state. Juvenile delinquents are also eligible for the program. At least 58 youth offenders are currently fighting active wildfires. In an active fire, Cal Fire makes the determination for all crews based on the conditions and the safety and security of all firefighters. In other words, inmate firefighters are not treated differently in the work they perform at the camps. Vicki Waters, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, told Newsweek on Tuesday. I just want to emphasize that we are abs- we absolutely recognize the incredible job these firefighters are doing, particularly when they're when lives and property are at stake. An inmate also earns extra time off their sentence for good behavior, typically two days off for each day served. These low-cost firefighters save California an estimated eighty million dollars a year. Wow! They only get paid two dollars an hour. Yeah, so they're saving money. Save, yeah, but too, that's that's slave labor. That's indentured servitude. It is. Real. It is slavery. I tried to convince somebody yesterday that um, that the NFL is slavery. Ah, oh, thank and you. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't want to be on board with me until I said, "Well, you know, fantasy football is absolutely slavery. I mean, you're literally Auction. you're auctioning off players mm-hmm. and." And then we you know whether they're based on their performance or their failure, you make or don't make Stamina. money. It's pretty crazy to me. I'm like, all right. So hey. wait, so did this person finally like after you talked about the whole basically fantasy auction? Yeah, he was like, oh, okay, I see it. But he's like, it's not slavery if they're getting paid millions of dollars a year. And I'm like, yeah, but they're getting paid based off their physical prowess and their ability to. Um, withstand injury i guess well, like I they mean, get hit in the head oh yeah i mean but the thing is like 
okay so it's not the technical word of slavery but it is a plantation yeah. like for example like bringing up um the whole kneel kneeling thing oh right 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 yes. right Jonathan actually isn't going to do fantasy football this year and he's not going to support the NFL because don't, of the whole kneeling exactly. thing exactly do like, not support not the it. NFL just don't watch it it's that easy yeah it's, it's that easy to, to, to stop just don't watch I, it. I, I've been telling people, don't watch that fucking plantation shit. Don't, don't. Why are you spending, you know, 70 extra bucks a month on the the red zone or to have all the fucking football games? Just don't support it. Don't support it because the fact of the matter, it's like it's the the, the NFL is 70 percent um, black males. Yeah. And so basically out of those 70 percent. They they can't kneel. They can't stand and protest. Though yes, the NFL is a private corporation. But people, I think we talked Why about is the this. National anthem played at the beginning. Well, it of every started single... in two thousand nine. I think we talked about this last week or the one of those weeks. Um, the was it the Air Force or I believe the Marines started paying the NFL. They kind of had this bartering system back in two thousand nine, where you know they would you would play the national anthem at NFL games. Sure. In which when that first started in oh nine, again not that long ago, right. um, the players didn't have to come onto the field. Ah, so coming out to the field in the NFL is very recent. Like I want to say maybe five, six years recent. Um, And so with what Colin Kaepernick had started here in San Francisco, the 49ers um, kneeling on the behalf of the injustice that us people, what we get black lives matter. Exactly. This is a platform you're going to see us shuck and jive and entertain. Why not see us? Hey, can you stand up with us? Our, our bodies are being murdered. Yeah. Our bodies are not worthy. Our lives are not being mattered. So that is basically what the protest is about. And of course, of course, on top of police brutality and what have yeah. you. Now, you would think that the NFL would support something, especially since 70, 80% African-American males. You'd think that they, yeah. Wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. we're paying you we're paying you mandingos enough money mandingo yeah that's, that's a great word that's, it is well because yeah. it's basically you yeah, know what a mandingo yeah, it, was, it was the big dick well the big dick um, and the the yeah. big strong black man oh. um and so basically they're like you know you just shut up and play right make entertain these people yeah don't, you get your don't money, have a political go ahead stance, negro yeah. play play throw that ball Mm. That's basically what it is. God damn it. You're interrupting. I don't even know who you are. 773. Where is that from? That's Chicago. That's far away. Damn it. Now I got to start over again. But anyway, um, so yeah. So the Dallas Cowboys just started. um, They had a meeting this year. They're forced to be to go out on the field. The Dallas Cowboys owner Jim Jones, Jerry Jones, basically is forcing the players to go out on the field. And mm. if they get if they kneel, they get fined. Oh, that's that's awful. You should be able to make decisions. Uh, hey, it's speaking of the, here's switching gears. Women uh, back to the primaries. Pink wave. Here are the records women are breaking in the 2018 midterm election cycle. Red or blue. The 2018 midterm election cycle so far has a clear winner. Women! Uh, With a month of primaries left, women candidates have already set a record for most party nominations in congressional and statewide races. Tuesday night's gubernatorial primary wins for Michigan House Minority Leader Gretchen Whitmer 
and Kansas State Senator Laura Kelly, both Democrats, set a new standard for the number of women winning party nominations in major statewide races. With Whitmer's win, Michigan's Democratic Party will have an all-female statewide ticket in November. I think Isn't that great? I think people really see what's happening and realize, no, this could be a real dramatic year of electing women, of women turning out, of women deciding elections, she told M Live Detroit. I think there's enormous power there because we talk to one another and we organize. We organize our households. We organize our politics. Women have cinched 11 11 major party nominations in gubernatorial races this cycle, with eight Democratic wins in Idaho, Oregon, Texas, Georgia, New Mexico, Maine, Kansas, and Michigan, and three Republican wins in Alabama, Iowa, and South Dakota. An additional six women lead or are close to leading their primary races. With only six women currently serving as governors of the United States, this year will likely see a large boost for women in the top state position. A new record of 476 women also ran for House seats in 2018. A record number of them, 184, have already won their primaries, according to data from the Center for American Women and Politics at Rutgers University. There are currently 84 women representing U.S. states in Congress, making up only 19.3% of the legislative body. This has been an election season of records for women candidates and tonight continues that story, said Debbie Walsh, director of the Rutgers Center, in a news release. We're not just breaking records here this year. We're blowing through them. And we're seeing this year is the whole reason why we want more women to run for office. But it's not just about women winning, said Stephanie Shyrock, president of the Democratic group Emily's List. It's about the diverse views they bring to their offices. The story of this election is not just the number of women candidates running, it's the strength of those women, the stories and experiences they will bring into office, she explained to HuffPost. Women are running for office and winning their primaries at a rate unlike any we've seen before. Okay, I don't like this article. Why? Because it doesn't talk about some of the policies that a lot of these women, you know, in the Democratic Party are going for. Like... Yes, I don't get me wrong. I'm really happy that there's like a hundred and something women that are running, but we also need to weed out how, what kind of Democrat are you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it does it at this point. I, I don't, I don't think it matters. I, well, I mean, we didn't, we, if, if, if this, if it really was about like women just wanting to elect women, we'd have a woman president right now. Oh yeah. If, if women just wanted to elect women that weren't the, the right person for the job, we would but I mean, I think words. along. I think in that article, it needed to talk about give Elise a little profile of like, what are these yeah. women? You sure, know, are they pro-choice? Because yeah. you do. I mean, there's other like birth control, plant, parenthood, you know, women's pay. You know, it needed because I guess what it what's going on is I'm hearing a lot of like the mainstream media talk about you know year of the woman but they're not talking about the policies that go along with the the female candidate so i'm it's just it's it to me it's just getting very frustrating even our president doesn't have any pol. we have no idea i don't don't think it matters anymore i don't think that policies but that's the problem Uh, that's the that's the problem like i would i don't want i don't want to get all democrats in the house that just don't do nothing right you know because a lot of the democrats are pussies and we have a madman in the house so i want to know hey listen if i vote for you come november 
what are we going to do about this asshole? We can't work with him. Yeah. He's irrational. He's insane. What are we going to yeah. do? And then also, too, what are we going to do about, you know, such as like women's equal or equal pay and everything else? Right. Those are important things to me. Those items, yeah. let me show well, you where and now, you are. And now in corporate America, people say that the reason that women don't make as much money is that we're not good negotiators. And I completely agree with that, but we've never been t- taught the negotiation skills or we're taught that we're just not worth as much. I think we're great negotiators because we don't fight about it. We're not as, I, I don't think we're as cutthroat compared to men. Well, uh, women, the reason that we make 80 cents on the dollar is that we don't ask for the money when we get hired. Men that, yeah. have a tendency to ask for more than they're worth, and women have a tendency to ask for what they're worth, and then they get paid less because they're like, well, I'll but take I also, less. I also feel it is if some sometimes in the workplace women don't know. There's right, that. No, I didn't, I didn't. And then there's, but there's also too the fact of like, this is basically this is what you're going to get paid and that's it rather than negotiate because we can just we can just give your job to a man right right yeah so take what you can bitch take what you can bitch uh i'd rather be a russian than a democrat trump supporting t-shirt creators say they were just fooling around that's a funny (laughs) i'd rather be a russian than a democrat i'd rather be a russian than a republican just kidding said the two ohio men who showed up at a rally for president donald trump on saturday wearing t-shirts saying i'd rather be a russian than a democrat a photo of the two trump supporters on the plain dealer website quickly went viral provoking glee disgust and bewilderment worldwide including in moscow where the kremlin controlled rt news site crowded the that the t-shirt was sending democrats into meltdown but the two men republicans said they didn't really mean they'd rather live in russia we were just fooling around james tim alice a 60 year old delaware ohio Audi body shop owner told newsweek in a telephone interview on tuesday it wasn't meant to be mean to anybody oh would he really rather live in russia than be a democrat of course not he said i'm for the united states obama was my president too even if i didn't vote for him evidently it came out more severe than he than what we were thinking said richard birchfield 76 a retired paint factory worker i hope we didn't get things stirred up too bad you're gonna die soon too late (laughs) many people thought the photo was a hoax the snopes fact checking site reported the photo on the cleveland news drew nearly 600 combative comments mostly negative these un-american scumbags mingled with the QAnon whack jobs and red-hatted cultists make for a terrifying mix of anger fear ignorance and stupidity said one the right wing in this country is seriously disturbing another mourned there's no common ground anymore i can remember a time when both sides were at least civil to each other yeah you know what's really funny i want to see uh, this picture um these men lived during the cold world world mm. of the 60s mm-hmm. and then how far and how low you've become i'm sure these are the same guys that preach like freedom in america and second amendment Woo! yeah but you, you know i'd rather be a russian than a democrat i'm like you really hate you hate that your your country you that russians, much you hate russians that much russians aren't bad no People. no no he rather he know he hates democrats that bad oh i see it's the opposite i don't see the t-shirt i, I see a bunch see of crack ass crackers there it is i'd rather be a russian Ugh. than a democrat Ugh. and there's a horse punching something yeah a, some good old a boys a bear Oh, it's I get it because the the mule and the they're punching the yeah. elephant. Um, Women for Trump. Oh my God! 
There's a woman that with a thing that says women for Trump. This, it, it's uh, it's all a cult. It's not even a party. It's a cult. I guess. Well. No, it, it's a cult. Anytime, like they're just fooling around. We're yeah, just, we can. We're just fooling around with our livelihoods. We can. Uh, we can do this. We can Uh-oh. see what my dad Uh-oh. has to say Uh-oh. about uh, this. Oh, uh, Daddy Warbucks the, yeah, might have something. My dad this. says this is really insightful. Uh-oh. A whole new look at the Obama years. This is certainly a different way to look at what happened. The first term made the change, and the second term solidified everything. One 82-year-old lady loves Barack Hussein Obama, and she may have a very good point. She said Obama was amazing and was rebuilding the American dream. She gives us an entirely new slant on the amazing job Obama did, and she says that she thanks God for the former president. Keep reading her additional comments and explanation. When discussing Obama, she says, and my dad sends me these terrible things. One, Obama destroyed the Clinton political machine, driving a stake through the heart of Hillary's presidential aspirations, something no Republican was ever able to do. Two, Obama killed off the Kennedy dynasty. No more Kennedys trolling Washington looking for booze and women wanting rides home. (laughs) Three, Obama exposed and destroyed the Democratic Party before our eyes. Dennis Moore had never lost a race. Evan Baya had never lost a race. Byron Dorgan had never lost a race. Harry Reid is gone. These are just a handful of the Democrats whose political careers Obama has destroyed. By the end of 2016, dozens more were gone. Just think, in December 2008, the Democrats were on the rise. In two election cycles, they had picked up 14 Senate seats and 52 House seats. The press was touting the death of the conservative movement and the Republican Party. However, in just one term, Obama put a stop to all this and gave the House and Senate back to the Republicans. Uh, Obama killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, It's not mentioned. Yeah, well, maybe they get to that. I I guess what this is... Propaganda. Yeah, it's just my dad sending me dumb shit. This is some fake news shit. Some 82... He saved Jimmy Carter's legacy and made Jimmy Carter happy since Jimmy is no longer the worst president we've ever had. Actually, Nixon was... Jimmy Carter wasn't a bad president. No, he wasn't. Nixon was terrible. Yeah, Nixon he liked was to be, See, this is why. Yeah, I'm just gonna erase it. Yeah, this th- that doesn't even make sense. Your dad doesn't was around during the Nixon era. Yeah. don't tell me. He I know, and he still thinks that Nixon wasn't too bad. I'm like, no, he well, was a liar and he was a thief. That that whole that that whole time through Vietnam Watergate. Was I'm almost done with the Vietnam McNamara book, and the one bummer thing that he doesn't admit to is um, the morons. He, um, so in Vietnam, they couldn't get enough people to get in the draft. It just was like they couldn't get enough people. Right. And so they lowered the IQ level for people to get into the military. So there were 100,000 soldiers in Vietnam who were drafted who were like dumb. <laughs> like they had like low low IQs like to the point where like they were the dangerous yellow short, yellow short bus kind of yes yellow short bus problematic but the thing is that now some of his they they called them um, McNamara's morons some of these hundred thousand guys were put into programs that were like they were like doing they were doing cleanup in um, surgery places they were like they were being used how they should have been used overseas or whatever but 
a lot of them were dangerous in the field because when you are fighting and you have a gun and there's things happening, if you're dumb and you aren't making quick decisions and you aren't able to be a quick decision maker, you're a danger to everyone. You could shoot your own people. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't, you get scared, something happens, you can shoot somebody. Well, I mean, plus don't give a gun to an idiot. <laughs> Well, we're wow, doing that right we're now. Doing that too, but yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is just like um, in the, ju- the the war was like basically in the jungle. So you had to be careful where you would step. Yeah. You know, you had to be you had to be aware. You had to of be super aware. You know, you had to be super you had smart. to do like more than one thing at one time. Right. Right. So a lot yes, of multitasking. Yeah. Multi- yeah, exactly. So and you have a gun. You got to keep that would make clean. sense why they had a lot of people that came back dead. Right. Well, a hundred. When did they start? Like, was this like in the late 60s? It was in 68. No, before it was before because he McNamara resigned in 68. So it must have been 67. But they lowered the age or lowered the IQ ability. That's, that would be under Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. But they got an extra 100,000 people in the draft because more body bags. More body bags. Yeah. Well, we only lost 50. We only lost 58,000 in the war for Vietnam. So but I'm yeah, sure but, a lot of but every week was something very tragic. Oh yeah. Like that's I'm 50,000 that's pretty unheard yeah, of in like how many people died in World War II? How many oh, Americans? Uh 200 about 250,000. Really? Yeah, under 500,000. So oh, that, that was the, the whole the thing is World War II like 27 million Russians died and 6 million Jews died and that sucks but still it's 27 million Russians. But there were Four countries that had less than five hundred thousand casualties, and one of those was the United States. I guess States. the difference between obviously World War Two and Vietnam was who the fuck were we fighting? Yeah, Vietnam? We don't, yeah, we don't even know yeah. who we were. Well, and so reading of this book, they, they keep saying like it was an unwinnable war because the South Vietnamese were not able to fight their own war, and we never should have actually had troops on the ground. We should have kept our military advisors. There were 16,000 military advisors that were there um, in the early 60s through Kennedy. And then when LBJ took over, that's when they started. Because he had a conversation with Eisenhower and Eisenhower was like, don't get in a war unless you're going to win. If you're going to fucking commit, you need to fucking commit. And so LBJ committed and he committed but and I thought it was started under Eisenhower, though, because Eisenhower was president in the 1950s. Well, Eisen, yeah, but Eisenhower is the one who dealt with Korea. Yeah, and but end of World War Two. Yeah. No, no, uh, well, that, no was, well, that was Truman. Truman. And uh, then, but he's yeah. Korean War, and but Eisenhower, I thought it started uh, the Vietnam War right. started like around him. It started in '44. Because it was a 30-year war, and it ended in 74. So and then, it was um, 44 to 74. And then Kennedy took over in 60. So right. it was hush-hush right. still. Right. But it was starting to build up during Kennedy's administration, and then it really took off during LBJ. Well, and the thing was that... But this is all... I mean, the thing we is, it was a growing process. Well, we were afraid of communism. So when we when we talk about Vietnam, we were it was part of the Cold War threat, and we thought that, oh, God, but we just communism. didn't understand that... Even China's communism and Russia's communism are completely different. Like, we had this, and that was the problem, and that's what McNamara, like, identifies and says that one of the mistakes is that we just didn't understand their culture. We didn't understand what was going on. We didn't understand the language. We didn't understand the terrain. We didn't understand the culture. We got into a war in a place that we had no idea what was going on. And 
we were fighting something that we had no idea what that was about either. Sounds like, like the history of America. Our, you put that together. Our fear of communism is just dumb. But we have a, this country has a fear of everything. Yeah. Every, everything that you're saying, I'm just thinking about like America in general and what you're discussing is the Vietnam War yeah. and it was the the fear of like communism. It was a fear of communism as we were finding it. But, th- but we didn't know. But, but the thing was that even, even some people were like, did we support the wrong side? Should we have been supporting the North Vietnamese? I mean, we, we don't even know. We don't even know why. And it wasn't like there was any oil or anything. No, no, no. We know, were just compared, fighting communism. We just, yeah. We were, fight, we were fighting something that you could punch in the air. We were fighting <laughs> communism, but then we realized uh, after they assassinated Diem after they overthrew that regime that it was so, so much corruption in the South Vietnamese government that were we really were we back in the right horse on this one and it was start- just there were so there was so much corruption and and then we got involved with the corruption as well too hell yeah. yeah it's god this country it, it's, but then with the so anyways McNamara with the morons and they gave them all guns and idiots have guns now Nobody responded to my Facebook post yesterday, and I thought that I was super, like, topical. And my post was, let's see if we can, I'll read it verbatim. Because I've been, I've been watching a lot of murder things on Netflix. <laughs> First-person murder narratives on Netflix are missing one crucial element. If you didn't have a gun, no one would have been shot. So I'm watching all this, I'm a killer, like these shows where the first-person narratives killer. He's like talking about how it happened. If no one would have brought a gun, no one would be dead. Wait, are these like people that murder with guns or like well, there Jeffrey was, Dahmer like axes and No, no, shit? no. It, they're mostly were all guns. There was one murder they did and they strangled and stabbed. But out of 10 first person murder narratives, only one didn't involve a gun. And all of them were like... Oh, that's no fun. Right? But that's the thing is that if 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 we didn't have guns, no one would be dead right now. Like, when the one guy goes over to his ex-girlfriend's apartment and shoots her new boyfriend in the chest and then the back of the head and then shoots her in the face. Like, if he didn't have a gun, he never would have gone over there to do that. He's not going to break down the door and stab them to death. No, that wouldn't have happened. But because guns are so easy to kill people well, and I mean, easy to get. Like, why? Who, I, I why think he probably would have taken... He, he probably he, the motherfucker sounds crazy enough he would have t- busted the door and taken like a knife but it's easier to take a knife rather than a gun you can stop someone more you can with stop it. someone with a knife yeah. yeah you don't bring a knife to a, a gun, gun fight, fight. Yeah, yeah same thing but I mean if you notice too like a lot of domestic abuse has something to do it's always with guns now I've noticed that pattern like no one chokes their wives or girlfriends out anymore because men are pussies. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not advocating abuse. Yeah. But men, if listen, if you're gonna choke a bitch, choke a bitch. Okay, don't be a pussy. Then <laughs> shoot her. Yeah, um, weak sauce. And you're gonna get caught. Yeah, you're gonna get caught because she's gonna be fingerprints. Though you know, I mean, but you only get caught if people care that you're dead, right? Because people only go after you. If someone cares that you're dead, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I disagree. People find dead prostitutes all the time. And do they get? And do they? Do, is there a big police sting to figure out who they are and who murdered them? I mean, do, well, they, do they give a fuck? Well, I think the creativity of murdering someone has went out the window because people tend to get caught now, mm. or they post it, or right, they put it on Facebook. The, yeah, I murdered or, that bitch. Yeah, exactly. Or they bury the weapon at a obvious place if i was gonna kill someone and i didn't want to get caught i would push them off a tall building 
because I'm an old-fashioned girl. I, I, I'm a poison kind of person. Poison. But see, poison, you'd be, I think that's easy, more easily traceable. You think? If you poison somebody. Is it could it? be a long process, though. Oh, like Baron Munchausen, like put it in there, or what is it? Folia, do you, no, something by proxy, whatever, when you, you, yeah. you poison it's their the food It's the shit that the Russians time. use now. <laughs> but I'm putting arsenic in the, uh, in the daily oatmeal. Yeah. Arsenic Slowly. Oatmeal. You know, it's like, like, I don't understand, but arsenic is one that they'll definitely trace. Or lead poisoning. Yeah. Lead poisoning is one, but ars- I wouldn't do arsenic, but, um, pushing someone, I, oh gosh, I don't know about that. Ooh. I don't, well, that's the thing is I, and I'm watching all these murder nerds. I really don't think I could ever kill anybody. Oh, I know. Really I don't I think do I could. That. I don't no. think I could. But just talking about like what you know what I haven't had a conversation like this in a while. Like you could tell the person like what we're going into is a really dark dark territory of like how would you murder someone? Would you murder someone? But seeing how we would never do that, the eloquent way of you know you wouldn't want to see someone suffer. No, no. You have that much of a conscience of like, well, if I had to, I would. I'm talking about poison. You're talking about pushing. Some people would be like, well, I would skin them alive and then slowly to, yeah, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. cut their balls off mm-hmm. or shoot them in the face. I'm like, God damn. Yeah, or uh, lynch uh, a motherfucker. You know, and I feel terrible. I, I don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily want to push someone off a building either because that's really scary. Like, that'd be so scary. That'd be like the scariest way. Like, you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to hit the pavement. This is going to be awful. Or, or like, I'm going to watch this motherfucker hit the pavement. Oh. Would you push and like run? Yeah, I don't think <laughs> you're I, like, I'm changing my, I'm changing my murder strategy. I don't want anybody to jump off a tall building. That, that'd be awful. It'd be awful. Light them on fire or something? No, that would hurt a lot, too. Um, Drowning is brutal, too. That's another thing. I mean, I guess... You're, you're looking them in the eye. I guess the poison thing is probably the way to go. See, Just classic. overdose. Well, and or, or give them heroin. Fentanyl, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the easiest way to murder somebody is just give them You like fentanyl. drugs? I'm going to make sure you have a good time before you die. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's well, it's a- like the the death penalty now with the lethal injection. I mean, it is like it's it probably is the most humiliating thing is that someone's taking your life without your choice. And even though but I guess it doesn't if hurt they're anymore. A bad person. I'm not talking about good people. I, th- I the only people I think about murdering about is someone that would do it to me. Bad people. I, well, and that these guys on death row and stuff, it's crazy. And when we're, I'm listening to their stories and they were all abused as children and that all this shit happened to them and I feel terrible for them. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. Is it? But Jonathan and I have been having these discussions. Like, one of the guys was severely mentally handicapped, mm-hmm. and it ended up becoming a case about: is he retarded? Like, should we kill him? Because you can't, you can't uh. put to death a retard. So then they they started having all of these. Then that used to be. Then it was like, well, we say he has an IQ of sixty five. Well, they said this test he has an IQ of seventy five, but it has to be under seventy. And it just became this thing. And they ended up. And wow. then he's so he's talking to the camera and he's like, so I guess I'm not retarded. <laughs> so but, did, wait, did he use a gun? Yes. Uh, well, and he, his was, was an interesting case because. He said he was going to go hunting with his grandpa, but his grandpa didn't show up. So he went off into the woods alone to go hunting. And this old lady had a house and the lights were on. And he's like, ah, there's an open window. I'm going to climb in the house and steal some stuff. But then it turned out she was home and she surprised him. And so he shot her in the face. Ooh. And so he's a mean retard, right? Exactly. Ooh. And so, well, that was the thing we talked about is like, and he was a really bad seed. He was doing bad, bad things. He'd 
stolen a bunch of cars. He'd done a bunch of bad things. He just kept doing bad, yeah, bad he's about things. about to rob an old lady and in the woods. Rob an old lady, and then he shot her in the face. So poor, poor lady. But it, it becomes a thing like, you know, and now, now this guy's forty-four years old, and he's still on death row, and he's awaiting. But like, do do we just? I don't know. It becomes a it becomes like a thing of like euthanasia. If, then it's like, do we kill all the retards? I mean, do we? But, but do we? Do we just kill the criminals? It's like, why Definitely. keep them alive? Do we? Is because it, is it worth our taxpayer money is to it, keep them? But is their life if they're in jail and they're in solitary or they never get to get out? Is their life worth it? Is it worth anything? Like, what does it um, become if you can't? create I, something okay, or see this is this is a, i'm funny about this because i'm kind of like not for the death penalty but there have been circumstances like if it's been a mass murder or something like that or a mass shooter you know like for that dylan roof dude that killed a bunch of people at the church right you know do i think he should get the death penalty yeah i think he should i think he should he came there with a a, a racist vengeful way to kill innocent people or uh uh there if they're a bad seed if they're a bad person do we go there is such thing as evil you're irredeemable and, and you shouldn't be around i mean can, can you kill evil is that the, that is the question I um I, I, i'm we? very i'm the- on the fence about it sometimes i really am because like they give the death penalty someone that just public m- murdered their friend or murdered just one person and that's where i'm like well maybe something happened that we don't know about or maybe this person blacked out because sometimes people do get so angry that they blacked out and they can't control it which or hey i could have killed someone last night i was blackout drunk i don't fucking remember or like yeah exactly you know (laughs) i didn't it's a scary idea yeah i mean if i i i don't remember the last thing i remember was I think I remember seeing Max Moachanin perform at Tote. I do remember that. I don't. I, the, honestly, the last thing I remember was singing my favorite new karaoke song, that Toadie's song about the possum thing. Behind the boathouse, I'll show you my dark secret. It is so much fun to sing for karaoke. Also, key of A, unlikely, unlikely key, but I killed it. Uh-huh. I remember that. <laughs> and it was all about I'm not gonna lie. That's gonna. And it's all about so help me Jesus and it, uh, so help me Jesus. And there was a, it was about die. Do you wanna die? Yeah, that whole thing. Anyways, it's a really fun song to sing. That's the last thing that I vividly remember was singing karaoke there. You're but you're in great spirits. You didn't leave drunk and angry. No, like, I was you, not angry. You've never because like there have been times when I've left drunk and angry where I did actually want to punch something right or push something down sure you know because i think that's also that plays a part too it's like you know there have been people who were drunk and they murdered someone which is pretty fucking scary and they either get the death penalty or life in prison or when they drive a car and they murder some people yeah and they're like i don't remember when you wake up in the drunk tank in jail and you're like i have no idea how i got here I have no idea how I got or here. Like maybe someone could have psychotic episodes and just snap one day. Or you know. one of the guys was dosed with PCP and then he killed three people. He doesn't remember a thing. See, and he's on death shit row. like that. He killed three family members. His girlfriend, the, his baby mama. 
His baby's mama. Okay. He had two babies. That's just so fucked up when you kill family and kids. Yeah, but just, uh, I mean, he killed his wife, his stepfather, and his auntie. And he woke up in prison and, and was like, what 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 murdered, what happened? You murdered and they were family. like, you murdered three people. And he had no recollection. He basically had like a PCP induced blackout. But they didn't. They don't forgive you for that. Yeah. And guess, it wasn't even he. He said he said, well, I got the weed from the person. I rolled it up. I smoked it. And then I and then the next thing I remember, I was in jail. I think I am pro death penalty. Pro death penalty. Yeah. Just by just some, some of the things that you're describing and what have, and it also depends on the circumstance. Like that PCP one is a very tricky one. It's so too. tricky. It's a very tricky one. He doesn't remember. And the fact, yeah, that. But you also have to pay for what you've done. Right, 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 right. right I right. mean, that's. But there are those who have who are crazy, but have a clear conscience of what the fuck they're doing. Right. You know, like that Timothy McVeigh motherfucker. Mm. He's still alive, right? Why ain't he dead? No, I think he's dead. Is it? Did they put they, his ass to I death? I think that Timothy McVeigh. We can look that up. And um, then there was the. Um, uh, did Ted Pundy get the death? He got the death penalty yeah, too. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Okay. Uh, Timothy McVeigh died June 11th, 2001. Okay, so they put his ass to death okay cool. yeah a uh, domestic terrorist who perpetrated the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing which killed 168 people and injured over 680 others yeah they they must they must have killed okay. him see like, I'm happy when those I'm happy when those motherfuckers are dead <laughs> well because I, I be, what, what you're kill, you're just killing folks just cause of a cause yeah and what cause do you have you don't have a god you have like yeah yeah child killer billy ray irick will face the death penalty this week let's okay, check see? this guy out child killer yeah if you killing children mm-mm. i mean and the guy from sandy hook did he kill himself or did he i think he killed himself no. god damn it mass shooters stop shooting Some, yourself yeah i know well then it's like oh we get to have oh, the martyr not martyr but we, we get to punish them i mean and then they get a 60 minutes Tennessee interview. Tennessee child killer who murdered a seven-year-old in 1985 to be executed this week in state's first lethal injection since 2009. Why wait this long? Billy Day Eric raped and murdered seven-year-old Paula Dyer in April 85. Raped a seven-year-old? You are a bad yeah. man. Eric, 59, one of 33 inmates who challenged Tennessee's lethal injection protocol. He was moved to death watch this week as court heard he will die Thursday convicted child killer oh look at he is if i saw that guy on the street convicted child killer billy ray eric will face the death penalty on thursday after a court refused to stay his execution the 59 year old who was convicted of raping and murdering seven-year-old paula dyer in 85 look at that cute little girl has been moved to death watch this week he got meaning, the devil in his eyes anyway. yeah he looks he's got that meaning he is in, in an eight foot by ten foot cell in sight of the death chamber with strictly regulated visitation rights. The move brings Eric close to becoming the first inmate executed by Tennessee since 2009 and without intervention he is set to be put to death on Thursday. 
Eric is one of 33 inmates on death row who have challenged the state's execution process, but attorneys for the prisoners were told they had failed in their challenge. Yeah, don't challenge this shit. Even though it is likely to succeed on appeal. You are a dis... Oh, go ahead. Kill him before the appeal. But Tennessee Supreme Court judges ruled Eric's attorney had failed to demonstrate a substantially less painful means to carry out the execution or that the drugs the state plans to use would cause the inmate to be tortured to death. For the first time... Tennessee is planning to use midazolam as a sedative. Hey, you love hey, your midazolam. It's my favorite stuff. It's, it's your midazolam. favorite drug. Oh, he's going to go out in oh, style. He's going to tell jokes the whole way. <laughs> Dude, midazolam is the best. Midazolam is the best. Tennessee's plan to use midazolam as a sedative, the muscle relaxer, venicronin bromide, and then potassium chloride to stop the heart. That question is whether midazolam is effective in rendering someone unconscious and unable to feel pain from the other two drugs. Federal court or federal public defender Kelly Henry said she will request a stay with the U.S. Supreme Court. She has asked Governor Bill Haslam to issue a temporary reprieve while the drugs are studied further. But the governor quickly ruled it out and saying he will not intervene. Yeah, dude. I'm sorry. Okay, but so would you be pro-death penalty if it would yeah. be medazolam? <laughs> medazolam is, for those of you that don't know about medazolam, it's a short-living, fast-acting benzodiazepine. So it's in the Valium family. It's in the Tupam family, as the doctors call it. Um, because it's the, the, it's the Tupam family. It's the benzodiazepines. Because it's like Valium is lorazepam. That one's diazepam. You know, it's midazolam. These different ams and pams at the end. Anyways, short-lived, fast-acting. It's what they give you for abortions. And it is amazing. It is my favorite, hands down, So they're my favorite drug is midazolam. So he's going to overdose. Well, they're not going to overdose him on midazolam. They're going to give him like probably a good amount. So he's like, I feel good. And then they give you a muscle relaxant. So you're like, really, it like chills you down. And then they stop your heart with potassium bromide. Hmm. It's, not, it's, that's not a bad it's way a to go. It's a pretty great way to die. It, I mean, if you, you got to go, like that's, I, that's the way I'd want to go. If, if like, if I had like really bad cancer, and it was like, and I was just in pain all the time, and I, and I was just like, I'm fucking done. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'd be like, yeah, medazolam my way so out. So this might be a way, a new way for you if you ever wanted to murder somebody. Sure, yeah, give medazolam first. But if it was someone you hated, yeah, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd never give give them my medazolam. Fuck you, I love drugs. <laughs> what I'm gonna waste? I'm gonna waste my. Good I don't drugs want you to go you. out with a smile oh, on your face. Fuck you. I don't want See if this is sweet Gale or if this is Steve Poji. It's Steve Poji. Oh, it's Poji. It's Poji. 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 Hey. hey, he's there. Let's listen to the. Hey. 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 Poji. <laughs> What's going you're on? You're live on the air. I didn't hey. ask your permission first, but there you are. Okay. How are you doing? We were talking about the death penalty. They're going to kill a guy in Tennessee this week, and they're going to give him medazolam first. So, ain't no thing. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Medazolam. We're also we're also drug. talking about how we would like if we how we would kill someone if we had to murder somebody. Yeah. How would we? How would you murder yeah. somebody if you had to murder somebody? Like what? What okay. choices would you make? Well, first of all. <laughs> You have to go to a place into an opposite town that's at least four hours away. 
Like, are you talking about just killing someone for recreational fun? Or no. Like, <laughs> no. Well, the thing is that I wouldn't want to have. That's I only think I, I could get away that. with it if there was no motive. So it'd have to be a random person. I just have to kill someone. I would have. I, I I I would have to hate them. I would have to really hate them. Like I would. I probably would kill someone that I really, really, really hate. I'm actually kidding. I wouldn't. I'm on the air. I, I don't think. I don't think I would kill anybody. I I think it would have to be a random victim because otherwise I I don't. Oh, you would just take an innocent life. Oh. Well, I, I mean, I probably well, maybe yeah. do a little research. First. You said yeah. <laughs> he sounds so gleeful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's too many people in this world. Nobody's gonna miss one more. <laughs> we're, we're setting ourselves up yeah. for like the feds. But uh, <laughs> so, but how would you do it? Uh, well, I mean, it all depends. If it's somebody you know, it's got to be harder. Because um, you have to wait for enough time to pass where nobody would ever think that it's possible. you so you got to hold a grudge for a really long time. Mm-hmm. That'd probably be the biggest challenge of everything. Is being and after angry that, enough for years. Drive up alongside him and fucking shoot him. Oh, so you'd use the gun. You'd use Aww. the gun. But then can't they trace the bullets back to your gun? No, you have to get a stolen gun and a stolen car. Yeah. And make sure yeah. you don't leave any DNA evidence behind. But that's but that's the thing that always gets people, too. People think they're very clever by, you know, most crimes are sometimes committed by stolen weapons, but they end up tracing them because DNA, man, they can uh, CSI the fuck out of you, dude. I know, would they? That's well, the that's thing. why you gotta, you gotta shoot somebody. Then you have to take the gun apart, and you have to go on, you know, a six-hour road trip, and every twenty minutes, throw one piece of the gun out the window. Right. Like, yeah. Very. Never in the same state. Very not Sopranos. Very um, Godfather. Yeah. You would. The thing is, like, it, it's so funny. Crim, criminals are dumb because they, if they're going to do a commit a murder in the same state as they're doing it, why would you throw your weapon away in the same state? I would. I. You know, if I had a weapon. If I was to kill someone, I would have to go states over to bury it or what have you. Yeah. But I'm old fashioned. Well, I I'm all about the poison. <laughs> see, I think that the problem is is that because of shows like CSI and shit like that, people think that they can find all this stuff and they always should no, they just they only talk about the cases they solve. They don't talk about the cases where nobody ever found shit. <laughs> Right, so, but that's the thing, is you hope that your case, that they just wouldn't find shit. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, man. I am an official iron worker now. Wow. Official, so so why aren't you at work right now? I'm off work. I already worked for the day. Oh, my God. Wow, so you're you're done at 2.30 or something. That's crazy. Yeah, I have to get up at 4.45 in the morning. (gasps) And then I... Get my little cooler. I put my Gatorades in it. Put ice on top of it. <laughs> I have to wear jeans, steel-toed boots, and then either a fluorescent orange or fluorescent green T-shirt. Hey. And then I head out at about five fifteen. I stop by the gas station. I get myself a zero sugar monster. <laughs> and then I get to the job site at about five thirty-five, five forty. And I just sit in my truck till 6 o'clock while I sit in the van. And then we get out and we start iron working. Whoa. Uh, do you yeah. fix your lunch, so too? Then we start at 6 o'clock. We get a 20-minute break at 10 o'clock. We get a half-hour break at 12. 
and then we're off at 2.30. Wow. Wow. Oh, by the way, uh, congratulations to our uh, state for the uh, right to work thing that passed yesterday. Yeah, we got rid of that shit. Yeah, that was fucking dumb. I'm glad something smart came out of out of there. What's your union number? Uh, I think it's 396. Union Iron Workers 396. Did you did a lot of uh, a lot of people you work with, did they vote? Yeah, well I mean, especially for that, everyone was really fired up about it. Yeah. Do you, it would have basically it would have stripped the union and it would have had unskilled workers that companies could hire and right. pay them half the wage. Like right now, I make twenty dollars an hour. Nice in uh, Missouri, and that's just the entry level. Every six months, I make like a two dollar and fifty cent raise. Shit, cool. So, like, and, times uh, by five years, you'll be making some dough, yo. Yeah, well, four years, I hit journeyman, and then uh, then I make like thirty three something an hour. So, uh, you, are are you happy? Out here, it's a very livable wage. Are you are you doing? Com- you're not doing any comedy because you can't. Cause you have to be awake at four forty five in the morning. Fuck yeah, I am. I am featuring all this week at the St. Louis Funny Bone for Uncle Larry. Nice. Wow. <coughs> How does that work when one you show tonight? One you, show Thursday. Are two you shows s- Friday? Are you two s- show Saturday? One show Sunday. When are you sleeping? Nice. Are you sleeping in the middle of the day? Like you come home from work at two thirty, you take a nap, and then you go out. And do comedy? No. Uh, like, I uh, I just do comedy clubs now. I don't do bar open mics or any of that shit. Right. So you're just and I only pay. work locally. And luckily, the St. Louis Funny Bone, you know, they're good to me. So Tuesday, you know, they only take 16 comics. Usually there's about 43 that try to sign up. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of special there because I've worked there for so long and everything else. I can just ask the booker if it's okay if I go up and then I just write my name in on the list wherever I want to wow so, that's good like last night I went up I went up like fifth or sixth I did my spot had a beer and a shot with my buddy the bartender and then I left before the show was over and went home went to bed woke up no problem good for you how's the uh, how's the not smoking thing going I am smoking right now. Okay. <laughs> I thought that you were trying to quit, so I was going to ask about that. Well, I was, but like we do a lot of smaller jobs. Like so far, we built uh, the iron framework for an elementary school extension building. They were added a building on, so we did that. That was my first job. Cool. Now we're working at a company called U.S. Paint, and we're building a iron fire escape stairwell and uh, putting in a door in the side of a building for their second level. So are you welding? So you can smoke on those job sites when you're outside. No, that's something I have to learn. TIG TIG welding, MIG welding, whatever that is. Yeah, they call it stick. Basically, you just get this rod on it, and then you just go down. I mean, from everything I've seen, it looks incredibly easy, but at the same time, you know, I'm 34, and I'm well-versed in construction, so... It's not like I'm 20, like, how do I hold a hammer? (laughs) (laughs) You should know how to hold a hammer by the time you're 20. So do you have, do you you have a bunch of new material? It's a lot easier than my other job. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing since I only do, I only do the open mic uh, on Tuesday once a week at Funny Bone. Uh, It's five minutes long. So every week I just write a new five minutes and then I premiere it. Awesome. 
And then after a while, once I start uh, getting some of this debt paid down, I'm going to buy a camera and have a nice setup so that way every Tuesday I can just film the set that I'm doing and then put it on YouTube. And then when I get a week, I'll you know film a 20-minute, half-hour set. And then I'll put that on YouTube, and then I'll ditch it, and I'll do a new one. Good for you. Do you have a, any- getting rid of all of that fucking worrying about being booked and you know who's gonna be at the club and trying to rub elbows and get in with this guy once all that shit's done it's like just basic comedy of just like think of an idea write it out perform it evaluate it and it's, there's no pressure there's no stress there's no delusion of wanting something bigger and better to happen it's just very pure and simple at this stage are you, are you, you're happy with this job you really like it I do to be honest it's a lot easier than the job I was getting paid half as much to do loading the, trailers with sound equipment right the trucks and all that shit when are you coming uh, out You now you're making shit tons of money are you going to come visit us uh, it won't be for a while I mean maybe in the winter time if work slows down but right now there's a lot of jobs they're already talking about doing overtime and working Saturdays to where I get paid like 30 bucks an hour. Oof, nice. So I'm just relaxed. Like it's nice because everything that we deal with at our job is incredibly heavy. So it's a crane that picks it up. You don't have to pick up anything. Now granted, it is incredibly dangerous between falling and having something slip out of the crane and fall on you. Oof, God. Like, but that, that, Adrenaline rush keeps you focused in on the moment. Oof. Now that's something that you can add to your comedy if you end up seeing some shit like that. Are, are you seeing yeah. any ladies? How are the ladies? I was seeing a lady and it turned out bad as most of my lady endeavors do. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say bad, but it didn't work out. So that was kind of a bummer. But she was cool. She was actually a waitress at the Funny Bone. I've known her a long time. Um, had a couple of kids, had a very, still in the process of a divorce and everything else. I think she's only been like a year divorced from this guy and going through all kinds of stuff and had to file for bankruptcy and everything. And for about three weeks, we were seeing each other and, you know, working shows and then sneaking off and making out at other bars. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. But then she was like, Hey, uh, I have a long ways to go before I can actually be dating somebody, and I got a lot of shit that I have to handle. Responsible. And it was like, okay, but I, it sucked because I was really excited about it. I was super into it, and I know she liked me, and she was into it as well, but it just was a bad time or whatever. Yeah. So, See, that's adult. But it, that's some adult. That's some adult shit. That is some, because she's going through yeah, some Yeah, I mean, shit. at the same time, it was like, it made me realize like what I want out of life, and, you know, having... Um, someone to be with and you know love and to have kids and build a family like when I thought that opportunity was presenting itself I was more than excited and was completely ready for it the only thing I was worried about was I didn't have this job yet and right when I started working the job was like right around the time that you know we had that conversation so you want it you you uh you'd uh, be into like if someone already had kids you're like all right let's go kids already built in I'd, I'd be I'd be more than happy with somebody who already had kids or 
if we were going to make kids, I'd prefer they were a little bit younger than me. So if I get killed, they'll be around to take care of them. <laughs> well, I mean, and two, other than that, you, you have to realize the demographic that you're in. Like, you're, most women over 30 in misery are going to have a child, sure. you know. So you oh, they're probably going to have two or three of them. I Maybe mean, unless you want to go younger, I wouldn't suggest that, though. Well, I don't know. Sure, but I mean, 20? even after we had that conversation, like when I looked at everything, it was like, well, honestly, like if I was going to be like, okay, now we're going to start dating and we're going to start getting out there. Let's like, what do we need to do? Well, the first thing is I'd have to get this debt paid down before I could even entertain that idea because I don't want to get in a situation where I'm bringing a bunch of fucking baggage with me. Yeah. So it was just kind of like it was a spontaneous thing that happened. I think I, at age 34, I had a summer fling. <laughs> so. But with an adult. It's fun stuff. I think that's yeah. awesome. Because she, she, if she, I mean, obviously she liked you enough to be like, this is not the right time. And, and you're trying to grow, too, with the fact of like, I just started a new job, a new chapter. So... Yeah, and the fact that you guys know each other, so it could man. be something that happens in the near future. I, man, I don't know. I'm gonna be working with her uh, this week at the club. I think Thursday we might work together. Friday we definitely will. Maybe Saturday. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of like the stay away person. Because it's like, you like me, but you don't want to be with me. And so you, you've got this odd shit going on. So I just, I stay away. Figure yeah. out what you want to do. If you want to just be friends, if you do want to take this serious, just get back to me and let me know. Just get back to me. <laughs> well, good. Um, I'm excited. That's great that you have, uh, you get, you're getting paid for comedy this week. That's very, very exciting. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy. It'll, like, because... This job is so fresh that, like, I have all my bills due at once, so I haven't really had the benefit of having a paycheck every week kind of thing. Right. Like, I just started working there. Well, now my whole paycheck's going to go to paying off my bills. and then, But then I'm going to have, you know, checks every single Friday from here on out that were normally, like, probably one and a half times what I'm used to making every two weeks. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see how well that is. But Yeah, just save money. Don't, um, don't. Put money Dude, in I had to bank. buy like don't $700 in tools, like right from the jump. Like sure. That sucked, but I'm working over the hurdles now. And uh, yeah. I work at Bender's now. Going. Did you really? Yeah, I work on Sundays at Bender's. I'm, um, Are you bartending? Or no, I'm. Just... I'm the. I'm counter offer. I um. I get to cook. Nice. Yeah. So it's just one day a week. It's just Sundays. I love it. It's a dream come true. All my drinks are half price all week long. <laughs> I drink significantly. Awesome. More. How, how are you doing with the 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 loss of the little kitty cat? God rest it's, soul. Yeah. It's it's been hard. We had um, you know, Katie Shewelds. She's a, a badass. She made us yeah. a little spike thingy like it's a she made us a little metal cat and it says spike um 2018 and we went out we put it out in the garden on top of him uh on saturday and jonathan and i were both we were both very very drunk and we were just crying was that saturday or sunday it was actually friday it was last friday oh so you had a little funeral yeah we yeah not this last friday but the friday no it was this last friday and we were crying and crying and it was i mean 
but he's still out there, buried under the ground. He's uh, he's still dead. Yeah, it's hard because well, I, I, his his body is his, his soul is fucking intergalactic, interstellar traveling. Yeah, well, I think he's still in the house. I keep hearing, like, I keep thinking he's gonna jump on the bed, or that I keep hearing little That's noises, and I'm kitty. like, I'm like, oh, it's he's around, but um. I mean, sorry, we're, when we come back from Italy and Greece, we're going to probably get another kitty. Nice. When are you guys heading there? September 4th through 24th. We're going to be in Italy and then Greece. And uh, we're going to see in, in Rome on the on the way back, um, before we come, like on the last day, the 23rd, which is the Sunday, we're going to see Juventus play there. Um, Nice. Italian soccer league okay. team. Nice. Jonathan's very excited about the concept of going to a real soccer game. So, especially the Italian league's really great. And Ronaldo just got picked up by Juventus, so we get to see Ronaldo. What? Like okay, yeah, that, that is a Cristiano game. Ronaldo. We get to see him play. Ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, how's what? the station been? How's what been? The station. Oh, you know, there's never any money. Um. Trying just trying to get everybody to pay their dues. the 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 18th will be fun. We're having the noise pop block party again, and uh, okay, gonna do a bunch of karaoke and comedy and interviews, and hopefully that'll it'll all work out. I mean, you know, it's the same every every month is like scraping by. But I'm I mean I'm able to pay myself, and it's it's happening. It's I mean. You ask me on it. It depends day to day. Some days I'm like, ah, everything's falling apart, and some days I'm like, everything's fine. But right. yeah, I mean, last week I was falling apart, but this week wasn't. I had some good sets last night, nice. and people have actually been saying that that they think that I'm. I mean, last week people were saying that I'm not funny, but then I'm like, fuck you guys, I'm super funny. <laughs> and this week people are like, oh, you did. It was so funny, and I'm like, okay, like. I don't know. It's like, it's so, this community is so dumb. It's just like. Yeah. It's cool. What's the latest drama with the comedy, man? The Anybody latest, else finger bang somebody? Oh, what's the latest drama with the comedy? No, Any I mean. Fist fights or anything juicy? No, Greg Gettle still hates me, but that's not juicy at all. Um. No, there really hasn't. Everybody's moving. That's the thing. Like, everyone's moving. To, it, a bunch of people right now are moving to, to New York because they think that something's going to happen for them out there. And I'm like, good luck. Uh, yeah. But, but I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, I, I understand why they're doing it because um, nothing's going to happen here. And if they think they really want to be a comedian, they should probably go somewhere else where comedy actually happens and where people actually get writing jobs and things actually I mean this is and this is a tech the, people don't make money in, in comedy out here the, in San Francisco they make they money, make in, money tech. in tech no, yeah it's just not yeah. it's, if you want it, but it, it's it's fine everyone's you know people are leaving and they think that's great and I and I try not to be all like petty and jealous about it but and then it's like I'm, I'm not necessarily because like I have the best job in the world um, I mean I guess mutiny somewhat but benders and you know Jonathan's pretty awesome and and I have a great apartment so when I like see people leaving I have to like say well what were they what was their job oh they were doing this okay well you know once you leave here you can never come back right but some people actually don't want to be here like so and I get that I mean but I I mean I can't imagine living anywhere other than San Francisco and maybe that makes me close-minded but Fuck L.A. I never want to live in L.A. Yeah. I mean, ew. Gross. Just gross. And I'd have to wear... I just... I don't want to pretend to be that 
kind of person, like the person that wears makeup and gives a shit about what people think about the way I look. I mean, I'll feel so, moving to LA would make me feel so old and so ugly and all it would be is just LA. It's just LA. It's just the way it is. I mean, I'm a realist. Am I not a realist? Like if I moved to LA, they'd be like, I'd, I'd automatically be like, I am fat and ugly and old and I'm none of those things, but in LA... I thought I think you would find your niche. Yeah, everyone's super artificial. Super yeah, artificial. Yeah, they're artificial, but I think that I, what I like about L.A. is like you can find your own niche, you know, compared to well, here. I think with technology, though, you can do that anywhere. I mean, no, I, 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 think, I, I, don't, uh, I don't want to talk to my phone. <laughs> I like to talk to human beings. I like I like to touch people. F- yeah, mentally but I mean, and, that's the thing is like physically podcasts thing is so large and stuff like that like you know if you market something right and you have money to spend on sponsors I and know. like shit like that you could, you don't have to be in any one city right you know what I'm saying you just have to have a way of connecting with people I have to figure out a way to well I mean that's the thing is instead of going on comedy tour I'm going on you know actual Italian Grecian tour yeah that's but, gonna be fun yeah. but uh, I do need to you should, like you should get a portable rig and do a podcast. Oh, I am. I have. vendors while you're cooking. Oh, that's a good idea. I have the portable rig, and I'm going to be doing daily podcasting in um, when we're on vacation. I'm going to make myself do yeah. at least 20 minutes a day. Because then I can actually, funny enough, I can write off the trip. That's awesome. See, because if you do it while you're at vendors, then you can have people come in to try the food that you're cooking for them from the podcast, and then they'll tip you directly. That's Boom. true. Well, they, everybody tips. That's the nice thing. I, any, anyone who uses a credit card tips now. They always just press yeah. that button, and the buttons go 10, 15, 20%. And no matter what, everyone's tipping 10% at least. But they also, they're also everybody who pays in cash. They give us money. I get tips every week, and I'm just like, I, I, I think it's very nice of them. Yeah. It helps. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. really, I'm really nice though. When I, when I, this is, I'll tell this story, and we'll see. You're, you guys have been in service industry. We'll see what you think. There was a lady who came in, and she ordered a burger, medium rare. So we made her the burger, and then she eats about three quarters of it, and she brings it back and says, "This is way too raw." So we go, oh, "Okay, well, we, we'll do a refire." So we make her a whole nother burger, and we're grilling the onions for her, which we don't do, and we're doing it special twice so this time the burger and I pulled it off and I was like that's going to probably be too well done she takes the burger cuts it in half brings it right back and goes I can't eat this it's too well done I want my money back so we made her two burgers special but neither one of them was good enough but she ate almost the whole first one and then she got her money back so was it all a ruse to get her money back she just didn't want to pay for the burger yeah She's being an asshole. Absolutely. <laughs> You're being an asshole, by the right. way. I'm sure she does that all the time. Like, yeah, if you that's a hustle. eat most of something, you can't complain. If it comes out to you and you get up and you take it right back, that's one thing. But, oh, I, I ate everything except for two bites. And you know what? I cannot eat this. Well, bitch, you're wrong, because you fucking ate it, you heifer. Yeah, exactly. That's her hustle. That must have been... I mean, we... And then even when we were making her second burger, she was like sort of like chomping at the bit and was like, you know, we got four burgers on. Give, give us a second. Just we're like, it's almost. And then she just didn't even. 
I was, I was, I I felt so terrible. She was was full and she wanted her money back. I just wrote, I wrote a note to the owners and I was like, I'm so sorry. I feel like, you know, we wasted, I just don't like wasting food product. Like, I don't either. But at the same time, that's probably what that was with somebody who needed attention. You know, you do comedy and you're on the radio. So you don't know what it's like necessarily for people that just live a humdum day and are starving for fucking attention. Whether it's good or bad, they just need some attention. Sure. Or that's their hustle. Yeah. I have I have a good comedy drama story for you. Yeah, please. I forgot about this. So this was a couple weeks back, maybe two or three. Um, it's let's see here. It's uh Friday night, and I go up to the comedy club because they owe me some money, and they said, yeah, come on up, we'll give you some. So I go up there for the second show. The second show is just started by the time I get up there. So I sit down at the little service bar, and uh, I start having a drink, some chatting with people or whatever. Uh, eventually, the headliner gets on stage, and I, I can't see what's in the showroom, but the bar station set up to where, like, the front doors are to the left. There's a little half wall, and then to the right is where all the servers pick up their drinks to run them out. And uh, the comic on stage, the bartender's like, man, I don't know what's with this guy. He's just been kind of going after people lately. Oh. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know. It's like somebody will say something, and then he's like, he has this whole weird anti-heckler thing. It's, From the I don't stage? know, it's just strange. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So I go outside to smoke. I come back in, and the amount of time it took me to go out and have a cigarette, I come back in, and Sean's like, we don't have a headliner. What? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, go peek in the doors. And I peek in the doors, and one of the comics that's always coming up asking for guest spots is on stage. It's not the headliner. Okay. So I'm like, what the fuck? He goes, yeah, dude, he just walked off. <gasps> what and I'm like, stage? how much time is left? He goes, he only did like 20 minutes. There's still like 35 minutes left in the show. And I was like, what was this some the famous fuck? dude? What was we, we don't have to say who his name was, but was he? Is it? Like, yeah. is, is he funny? And I, I don't know. I didn't see any of them. Okay. I wasn't familiar with them. Never worked with them before. I know nothing about the guy. And then uh, I see the uh, the booker slash uh, club manager come out, and he's looking all stressed off and just kind of like, what in the fuck? And I'm like, hey man, do you want me to like go in? And, watch the tables, meaning like in case people like try to walk out on the checks or anything like that, because I'm also a door guy at this club. And he's like, no, man, we're fine. He's like, Joe's up there. I guess we're going to get this done. I'm like, all right, cool. Now keep in mind, I'm wearing shorts. I got flip-flops on. (laughs) Completely inappropriate performance attire. (laughs) And then maybe like six or seven minutes goes by and the manager comes up to me, he's like, Poge, he's like, I need you to go up there. He's like, the guy that we put up is just doing worse than anything before. It's this whole mess. I just need you to go up there. We'll light you once we have all the checks done. And I'm like, okay. And so now the guy that was up on stage is a guy who's been doing it just as long as I have. But he entered this weird phase where he just, stopped telling his material and just started asking the audience questions Mm. like trying to do crowd work but it wasn't good crowd work Mm. it was like hey how old do you think I am like all this fucking weird nonsense shit 
So corny. And so uh, he's up on stage doing that, and it, it's just he's been bombing his ass off, like, not this time, but, like, for weeks, the past couple weeks, ever since he switched this whole fucking thing up. And uh, they give him the light, and then he's like, oh, okay, everyone's got his checks. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do about two more minutes. And I'm like, no. And he goes, oh, okay, I'm getting off. I I guess Poji's going to come on. <laughs> and so then he gets off stage. The host goes back on. The host is fucking panicking. He goes up there, and he starts going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I just went to... Uh, Fuzzy's Tacos and I got tacos and I came back in and this is all going on. This is really crazy. I just don't know what... Oh my what God. The... He's saying so this I don't to the even audience? wait for him to bring me up. I just walk up on stage. I stand behind him and I just start rubbing his tummy. <laughs> and I just whisper in his ear. I go, get off the stage. <laughs> and he, he's like, guys, this is Steve Poggi. And I take the microphone and of course I'm half drunk so I am ready to tell some fucking stories. Hell yeah. And I unleash... Um, it's great. It's like everyone comes back on board. I just fucking make fun of the whole situation. I don't blame the people at all or any of this stuff. And then they give me the light. I'm done. Everyone got their checks. There was no walkouts, whatever. I sit outside. People came up to me, and uh, they, like, walked right past some of the other guys from the that were on the actual show. They came up to me, you were amazing. Um, one thing that was amazing was one chick was like, oh my God, you're so funny, I'm glad you were here. Actually, last time you were here, I bought your CD and I listened to it all the time. Oh, that's great. And I was like, holy shit, all right, well, fucking thanks for being here for this catastrophe. <laughs> and uh, so then we get back in the showroom and the guy who got off stage is like fucking pissed off. And he's like, did you guys know what happened up there? Do you know what happened? This club is about to be famous and blah, blah, blah. And he goes on this huge like tirade. And then they were like, he was like, Poji, why did you go up there? And I didn't want to say, well, you know, you've been bombing your ass off for like the past four weeks and you're kind of an embarrassment. So I was just like, you know what, man? Uh, they said that uh, since we had the headliner walk off, they just wanted to keep it fresh and, you know, keep them hitting them with new stuff, and then we get everything done, and which was a total lie. And then, of course, the girl I was seeing at the time, who was the waitress, was like, I told Matt to put him up because he's way funnier than you. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, don't fucking, don't play into this. Well, you are. And, then I, and so I'm, I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I've got my hand out. I'm just trying to trust. And she's like, what? It's obvious. They fucking loved you and they hated him. And Was this at the like, funny bone? Goes, yeah. Okay. And he goes to like the back of the room and he starts like muttering to himself, pacing back and forth like there's an emergency and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and eventually the, the fucking club kicks him out. <gasps> And uh, I guess they were like, hey, man, don't say anything about what happened on social media or anything like that. Like, this is a matter between the club and the comedian. And uh, so over the course of the next couple of days, this dude fucking mentally unravels. Wow. And, like, he starts posting all these long essays about, like, what happened that night and how St. Louis is racist. And is he the black? comedian got off stage because the headliner was black, and well, I mean, St. Louis this is shit and that shit and fucking going off and 
then he starts calling the manager a drunk and acting like he was so drunk he didn't know what happened. And they had to call Poji in to do some yuck yucks. And this was like a verbatim quote he said. It was like, I was going to teach these people how to better appreciate art. Whoa. And like, like totally fucking psychotic rant. And then he's like, I'm going to, uh, I'm Matt Barron's, well, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, the comedy club booker is going to have his comeuppance, and I'm going to fucking show him what's what. Uh, and now this takes place Friday. Saturday goes on. The headliner is back. He has two great shows. No problems. Everything's fine. He does Sunday. Great show. No problem. Everything's fine. Monday is our contest, and that's when I work the doors on those contest days, which also coincidentally happened to be when Little Miss Waitress was working. Uh, and wink, wink. And... Um, so I go up there, and this dude shows up, and, like, it comes in. He's got a crazy beard. He looks skinnier than ever. He looks like he hasn't slept in, like, four weeks. And he starts trying to talk to the manager, and the manager tells him to get out. He refuses to. The manager goes in the back's office, locks the door, calls the police to tell him that this guy's trespassing. He needs to get off the property. Whoa. The police escort him off, like... A lot of his friends are there trying to be like, man, you need to just get out of here, dude, and cool off and chill out, blah, 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 blah. And then he just keeps going on, this club is racist, and this city is racist, and non-fucking-stop, and this, that, and the other thing. And then finally the police come, and they tell him to leave. And he's like, I'm coming up tomorrow, just so you know. And he's like texting the booker. And so then Tuesday comes around, and now I have, that's our open mic night. Now I have to be security guy, but we already have a door guy. So my job is to sit on a chair in front of the club and make sure that fucking Captain Crazy doesn't come in. <laughs> that's a bad idea for them to have. You have been his main target. Yeah, that's no, like asking for No, that was the thing, trouble. like, on his Facebook posts and everything, even though he was kind of sort of talking shit to me, I was just like, hey, man, you know what I... Uh, I think these uh, messages you're putting out don't reflect you in a good light. I don't think uh, this is really how you want to be seen. I think the message you're trying to push is kind of being lost, and it's a detriment to you. Using these kind of phrases, my quoted stuff that he had typed out, I was like, it just doesn't have a good look to you. But hey, man, you're a grown adult. Whatever you want to put on your Facebook page is your own business. I just don't want to see anything bad happen to you. But now this means he probably won't be booked at a lot of spots. I don't think he's going to exactly. get booked because he's not well, funny, not is, because he had a meltdown. Well, well, this adds on to the period. reason why he That's what brought on the psychological meltdown. Right. This was the only spot that he was doing comedy at. And somebody had told me, like, there was a bunch of gossip, obviously, going around. Some people had said that he had referred to himself multiple times as St. Louis's best comic and... That apparently he had been fired and kicked out of, like, other venues and other projects. Whether or not any of that's true, I don't know. But Tuesday he comes up there, and I stop him. I find out he's in the parking lot. I go outside of the building. I kind of look out there. I see him out there. I wait. I talk to the door guy on the inside, back and forth. And then finally I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go talk to him. So I go up to him, and there's a group, small group of comedians around him. And he's going on and on about, you know, what had happened that night and how, you know, everybody was being racist and he was going to do this heroic thing, but then he got interrupted. And I just stood there and I just let him finish. And I go, hey, man, I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm going to say 
is what's going to happen is if you try to walk through those doors, the police are going to be called and you're going to be taken to jail because you've already been told by the police that you're not allowed to play on this establishment and there's trespassing. What kind of charges are going to happen out of that? I don't know. But at the very least, you're going to be taken to jail and you're going to be detained for at least 24 hours or so. That's usually how it happens. So, you know, obviously it sounds like this place really fucked you over and really treated you like shit. Uh, so, you know, I'd like to see you just go off and embrace your new endeavors and just fucking enjoy yourself and, you just know, enjoy you. your art and go be artistic. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're a grown man. You can make your own decisions. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you this is what's going to happen if you make this decision. Mm -hmm. So take it easy, man. Take care of yourself. I'm out. And so he stays up in the parking lot, and he's out there talking for a while. And then I get a couple of drinks in me. Oh. <laughs> and so what I start doing is I start going up to our um, lesser social adept open micers that sometimes from time to time it can be really agonizing to have a conversation with these guys. And I start going, hey, man. This guy's out in the parking lot, and he really needs a friend. Will you go out there, and will you talk to him and just kind of be there for him? And so every six or seven minutes, I would wait, and then I'd send another guy out there to go talk to him, just in the hopes that he would become so annoyed with the amateur guys around him, and he'd have to tell the story so many times. He would burn himself out, and he did. He didn't come into the club. He went home and deleted everything off of his Facebook. It was all water under the fucking bridge. Good job, now, Poji. The kicker to this story is how he went on and on about race. The headliner was black, and then the, the audience was being racist to him. That's not true. That Friday night after that guy got kicked out, the headliner came back in, and I started to talk with him, and it turns out he's 24. He was only his second time headlining, and what happened was is he had some uh, pro-gay jokes that weren't received well, and the audience kind of heckled him, and then when he decided to do heckler comebacks on these people, the audience didn't laugh, and so he felt like the whole audience was anti-gay, so he said, pay me less, and dropped the microphone, and walked off stage. Oh. And I was like, well, man, I was like, that's not true. Just because a couple of people were crazy like that and spouted off shit doesn't mean the whole crowd is like that. You know, these people worked all week. They paid money to get babysitters, to go out on a Friday night and enjoy themselves. Just because they're not vocal doesn't mean that they don't support what you're saying or what your cause is. They just don't want to have any confrontation. And all of a sudden, now there's this big confrontation. Right. So but to walk off stage was an incredibly bad move. Yeah. You're the headliner. You have the power. You can say, I want these people to be kicked out. And then the door guys will escort those people out of the showroom. Right. And That's plus, the you, power that you need to have. Well, and, well, I mean, you need to know how to clap back, too. Like, you can... Right, but you, I guess he was hypersensitive. He said he was just overly sensitive about it because Ooh, that's he had a comedian game. friend who was gay who did a show in Texas and did some gay jokes that the audience didn't like. And then after the show, a bunch of people, like, beat this guy up and put him in the hospital. So he was just hypersensitive to the subject. Ooh. Man, and I'm like, well, man, that. you also got to know where you are. You know, some know of these churches around here teach that if you're gay, you're going to burn in hell for the rest of your life. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're right. 
that's just what they're told, and they just want to believe in anything. So, I mean, you can't you, expect everyone to have that mentality. Absolutely. And if for those, and the thing is about comedy is like, if you come into contact with those people, clap back. You know, you, you the best thing to do is like outsmart them. Yeah, he had the microphone, and he was headlining. Yeah. Like, why would you ever? Well, and the other thing is, is like, if he would have had those people thrown out. There probably would have been a huge round of applause as those people were escorted out. <laughs> That's how people would have supported someone in that situation. They're not going to stand up and be like, hey, man, you know what? This guy's got some good ideas. Yeah. They're not going to support <laughs> yeah. you like that. I, he's, he, he's very young. He don't know what he's doing yet. Like, well, and it's, it's, I yeah. think that this is a funny part. I mean, first... A headliner walking off stage. Whoa! I would just never. I just you push Clap through. Back. Come on! But then this that, that they let the other guy up who wasn't funny, and then he turned it into a big <laughs> side kerfuffle. Yeah, he, he started like, off. So that happens, right? And this guy comes out and he's like, "You guys are a terrible audience. You know that? You guys just so don't know just anything." Bash the whole yeah. guy. Yeah, you can't blame the audience, and I hate it when it's a, it's such a rookie move for comedians when the audience isn't laughing, and then you say, "The other crowd thought it was funny." You're not. You're mad. Everybody yeah. likes this joke. You guys, are, what's wrong with you? You don't like this joke. Oh you're my not, god! You, those people aren't ready yet. Like you need to. You need to still be performing in front of you and your hairbrush in a mirror. Yeah. Like ready. you're not ready. You yeah. because in order to be in this business, you have to have like tough skin. Even if you do get your ass kicked. Keep telling the joke. Yeah. Right. Keep telling the joke. But no, you're too soft. Or tell a, you can't tell be a different soft. joke. Whatever. Yeah. Like You can't be a traveling comic and be soft, yo. You can't. Mm. You're going to run into some shit. And this kid, you, he's beyond wet behind the ears. Well, Both just, of them. I think that. I think it's funny when comedians get all... I mean, and I have mental... I have breakdowns, too, all the time. But definitely not on stage. stage not to your audience. People no. are going to yeah. remember that shit. Yeah. I mean, I have... I only break down on the bus. That's why I do all my crying <laughs> on the bus. Because it's, like, public, but private public, you know? It's like, everybody... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went me out there, sad. and I was like, holy shit, what a weird night of fucking comedy this has been. You guys thought you were just going to have a nice night out after a long week of work. And nope, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> now it's all chaos. And I know, I just came up here to drink beer and to chill out. And now I've got to fucking be up here with you guys. So we're just going to get drunk together. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and I got a big round of applause. And... Now granted, during that 10 minutes, 15 minutes, there was a couple of people that were super chatty and fucking everything else. But at the same time, it's like, I don't have any ego. I'm not supposed to be up here. I'm buying time till the waitresses get their checks. So instead of <laughs> slamming them or being like, shut the fuck up, I was like, hell yeah, buddy. I smell what you're cooking. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you're, that was, you're, has, yeah, so it, was, it was definitely strange. Yeah, that, ooh. Tales from the funny bone. Right. Well, thank you, Steve yeah. Boji, for taking time with us today. And yeah, thank you, Steve. And I'm doing show. okay. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, we're moving on to you. That's why I brought up St. Louis. The segue your into story was a little more interesting, though. <laughs> what you've been late for lately. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's moved to, he's gotten he's, racist, he, just like all those people in St. Louis. Oh, he's definitely jumped on the train. It's a proven Latoya fact. She does not want to be on <laughs> for anything. Late ass Latoya. Fucking clown. 
<laughs> we call her late ass because she's always on time. Yeah, are you have any plans for coming back to the motherland? Um, I will be in the mid uh, Midwest, but I'm not coming to St. Louis. Though I need I need to go. I need a visit. I haven't been there we since last year. We have to write year. to work now, so you can come on by. Would you say, oh Lord? Nah, I I would I'll be there for I would be there for a couple of days and then run my black ass out. Uh. Okay. Yeah. How how would I if if I went out to visit you? Would you be able to get me a guest spot on the Funny Bone, or I'd have to audition for them and they wouldn't they wouldn't? You no, have the tap dance. Uh, well, I mean, if you came out Tuesday for open mic, we could most certainly get you on. Um, if you wanted to come out during like a weekend show, uh, it just kind of depends on who the comedian is. If they allow guest spots, and uh, if they want to do it, typically like. Uh, like a Friday late show, like all the late shows, they usually want to do that. Yeah. Um, so it just depends. Well, good. And I'll come out and visit. And it's Westport Plaza, so it's nice. It's it's all. Yeah, there. actually, yeah. they they've built a whole bunch of new shit in there. They got all kinds really? of stuff going on. Oh damn. Yeah. St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. I sometimes cool. miss you. Um, I'm reading the biography of William Burroughs, and he grew up in St. Louis. Which I didn't know that he was. Okay. He was a rich guy. He's a rich. Yeah, he has a star um, on a on a in the uh, this area we call the Loop, where we have the famous people that grew up in St. Louis stars. Yeah, like John Goodman. Oh, he'll love uh, it too. We Burroughs now have trolleys like San Francisco. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, they we, exactly. Trolleys down in fucking Del Mar. <laughs> Wait, there's a trolley on Del Mar now? Yep, they have the what? fucking cable car. Shut the, and that's actually from they they brought that back because they used they used to have a trolley like down on Delmar. Yeah, it was an outdated form of transportation, and St. Louis prefers to go backwards instead of forwards. So they were like, <laughs> yeah, we'll be racist and have trolleys. This will be great. It'll be like the old days. The next the next part will be whites only. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So um, before- I, it looks like they're installing second drinking fountains next to previously installed drinking fountains. So we'll see what that means. <laughs> yes. Put up a Civil War statue and uh, have two two water fountains next to it. Right. Uh, before yeah. before we let you go, Steve, because it's almost time for us to go. What's the most racist thing that's happened to you uh, recently? It actually happened not that long ago. Uh, I was at the gas station uh, buying cigarettes uh, before I went to work when I was still working for the sound company, and some guy comes in with like a like a wicker straw hat that's all frayed. <laughs> and he's got on bib overall. He's a big fat guy with a white beard and a white mustache. And even though it was like 8.30 in the morning, it was already getting pretty hot. It was during the heat wave. And the guy comes in and he goes, whoo, white sweat off his forehead. He's like, I'm sweating like a nigger on election day. He's like, gonna die. That's so racist. I don't even know what that means. Wow. That yeah. There's so many like, different. What area for... were you in? <laughs> I'm curious. It was St. Charles. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Charles. That makes sense. Down at my local gas station. Yep. But uh, this yeah, guy looked like Charles. he was rural as fuck. But it was like, well, does that mean you're gonna be in charge of the country? Because the last black guy on election day had a pretty good fucking day. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you just like, ignore that? Are you talking you about 2012 or 2008? Or are you talking about, two th- like, very vague 
fat fuck. Yeah. Oh, wow. he's gonna die soon. Of yeah, like I, I mean, that was just like I don't even, I don't even know what that. Don't means. even know that how to approach it. Make any sense? Be like, what a great way to start my fucking morning with a fucking hillbilly. Mm-hmm. Hey, I yeah. miss you, Steve. Yes, yeah, Steve. Uh, I miss you guys too, man. I will have to hang out sometime when the when the stars align and make it possible. Yeah, make absolutely. It we'll have really great shows this week at the Funny Bone. And, yeah, um, be hilarious. Yeah, I will all week. I'll be there with Uncle Larry Reeb, an no. old crotchety white man. <laughs> well, if you if you tape any of your sets, send them to me, and I'll play them on the radio. I will. I'll, I'll try to tape some audio because I'm doing a bunch of different things now. So awesome. Cool. Well, you're the best, and um, thanks for oh, making cool. the show awesome. Face. Yay! All right, I'll talk to you girls later. Bye. Keep cool. Bye. We miss you. We miss. People. I know it's hot as a motherfucker there in St. Louis. Woo! I, I missed you. I could feel the heat when he was talking about it. His good guy. shorts and a flip flop. But before we are super ending, I just I'm really excited about this one news story. Parents prepare lawsuit after teacher allegedly molests student she's so pretty why would she molest a 13 year old arizona boy because she likes little allegedly possessed uh, molested by a female teacher they're going to sue their son's school district for 2.5 million dollars they're going to win and the teacher Brittany zamora is 27 was arrested in march on multiple charges including felony sexual conduct with a minor and molesting a child wow she like them young. She's huh? a do- look at this darling girl. I'm like, you gotta go after 13 year old boys. Yeah, she Come a freak. Mm-hmm. People be crazy. It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for be- listening to the AltaCast today. It's been another. Weird- They're always weird, right? Yeah, we've been having some weird ones. We, yeah. we. I hope. I, I really hope the FBI was not listening. To, oh my like, god, who, to our murder how talk. Murder, how we murdered someone. But they're at least we're not like Alex Jones or some shit. No. This was fun. LaToya, you're awesome as always. Uh, you're the breath. This is the, yeah. Uh, this is the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio coming up next. Some call me Tim. See you guys next Bye. week. Bye. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. Time and we're ready to groove in the mission for the 6th Annual Noise Pop Block Party. It's free, Saturday, August 18th from noon to 6 p.m. with bands Empress Of, Jeff Rosenstock, The Marias, The She's, Small Crush, The Total Bettys, and more. Come to Mutiny Radio for special programming all afternoon, including live comics, karaoke on the radio for donations, and interviews with main stage bands. Bring your family, friends, neighbors, and dogs on August 
August 18th to benefit Mission Language and Vocational School and celebrate the peak of sunshine. For more info, check out the Noise Pop Block Party website at www.20thstreetblockparty.com. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons he breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody why is this so quiet why is this one so quiet? It just is. Okay, that's out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for, <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage in the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) Hey, 
guys, how's it going? Pretty great, I'm sure. Um, we have a little announcement for you. A PSA of sorts. Yes. Uh, listen to Cowards every 10 a.m. to 11 on Mutiny Radio. On Fridays. Yay. For some sweet, scared storytelling. Please do it. We need you. <laughs> so badly. Yes. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> and all the kissing is kissing. What is flat black plastic? What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat black plastic. Vinyl. Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Walker. Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express